Right. Let's pray together, and then we'll begin our teaching. So we're in Second uh, Timothy chapter chapter four, and it's our last uh, teaching for Second Timothy. We'll the next uh, book up is Titus, and we'll be taking a look at Titus. Um, but we're going to begin with Second Corinthians chapter thirteen, verse five. So Second uh, Corinthians thirteen five is going to be kind of a part of our introduction, and then we're going to go to Second Timothy chapter four. And, and finish out Second uh, Timothy. So if you want to find your way to those two places, uh, you're, going to be in a, you're going to be in a good place. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this morning, and uh, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would equip us, and uh, Lord, that you would uh, speak to our hearts this morning, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. When we look at this text, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, the last part, it's really Paul's, it's his final words. In, in short order, um, he's going to uh, meet the Lord again, like he did on the way to Damascus, but he's going to meet the Lord face to face. And as often uh, uh, as people come to the end of their life, uh, they have uh, a point of reflection. You know, they reflect upon their life and they think about the things that were important to them, and they try to impart that to those that, that they're going to leave behind, at least if they're a believer in Christ, just for uh, kind of momentarily. Uh, and what Paul models for us, um, let me see if I can increase our expectations for the teaching this morning. What Paul models for us is one of the most critical things that determines outcome in a Christian's life. In other words, what Paul is modeling for us at the end of 2 Timothy 4 is if you can grasp this, and it's not a very complicated text at all. It's a very straightforward, very simple text, but it's, it's the one thing that will determine whether you will grow and mature and whether you will experience good outcomes in your life both in your faith, but, but also in every single other area, vocationally, family-wise. And it's not uh, age-specific. It's not uh, specific to any particular generation. It's every single one of us will have a pivot point in their life that's going to determine, for the most part, what ha- everything that happens after that pivot point. How many have had a pivot point in their life where, where the decisions that you made determined everything that follows? And in our culture, in our culture, a lot of times, the pivot points in our life have to do with schooling. In other words, that when, you, when you're a junior in high school, what are most juniors and high school, junior high schoolers doing? They're determining what the next step for them is, either education or vocationally. And it's a pivot point. And how you, if you're a high schooler and you're a sophomore, oh, man, the pivot point's coming when you're a junior because you're going to have to make some very serious decisions that are going to impact your life for a long, long time. When you um, get out of the military... It's a pivot point. 
is that I spent four years in the Air Force. And when I, was, when I got out of the Air Force, it was, a, it was a point that the decisions I made determined the rest of my life. Even till today, the, the pivot point. You're dating a guy or a gal, and you're asking yourself the question, do I marry this person or, or do I not? It's a what? It's a pivot point. And so all of us have these places where we, say, end a career of 30, 40 years. And, and we have decisions to be made that will determine the rest of our journey, this side of heaven. And so what Paul models for us in very simple terms is he models how to do really a spiritual assessment Turn with me, if you would, to that first verse I mentioned in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. There's, there's two imperatives or, or two commands that the Apostle Paul gives. He says, to examine yourselves, to see whether you are in the faith, test yourselves. And this is another way of defining spiritual reflection is to examine yourself and test yourself. And in this context, it's to determine whether you're in the faith or not. But when you apply those two imperatives to all of your life, to examine yourself, to test yourself, this, these are the, this is the framework that determines, from that moment on, determines what you're going to do with your life and where you're going to put yourself. We all have them. When we just, when I would, if I would define spiritual reflection, I would define it like this. It's the checking in with God by ordinary means. So the ordinary means of grace are what? Bible study, prayer, fellowship, fasting. Those ordinary means, we, we use those tools to check in with God. Lord, what are you saying? Who are you? We, we use those tools to check in with God, and they're very ordinary. And when we're using those ordinary means of grace, what we do is we create space. We create time and space and opportunity for the extraordinary. We create time and space and opportunity for the Holy Spirit to use those ordinary means of grace to do something supernatural in our life. And those things that are outside of the ordinary are things like dreams and visions and words of knowledge and words of wisdom. It's, it's the Lord orchestrating events in our life that we're, we're walking through life and something or some person in the providence of God, steps into our world and speaks a word into our heart that determines the rest of our life. When I, when I was a, a young boy, I was a, a, a freshman in Medford Vocational School. And I was uh, in going to Medford Voc, and there was a teacher there by the name of uh, Mr. Young. And Mr. Young pulled me aside one day, and he said, what are you doing here? <laughs> I said, what are you, you know, I was clueless, you know, freshman in high school, here down to here. 
And uh, I said, well, I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. You know? And he goes, no, 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 no. What are you doing here? And, he, and Mr. Young said, I don't think that this is where you need to be. And he was my science teacher at the time. And he says, why don't you do this? Why don't you go to the library and figure out something you're interested in? It'd be great to have something to do with science, by the way. And, um, and write a report for me, and we're going to talk. So I go into the library, and I go to the library, and I said, I'm supposed to look for something that's in a catalog and has cards. <laughs> and so she brings me over to this big mammoth thing. <laughs> and, of course, I pull out A and, and start going through the cards. And I, and I didn't know what I was doing. I picked astronomy and, because it was one of the first cards. <laughs> and I wrote this paper on astronomy and bring it back to Mr. Young. And he goes, oh, we're going to go see guidance. <laughs> it was a pivot point. And pivot points, pivot points determine outcome in our lives. And when we're Christians, God's given us ordinary tools to use, like reading our Bible and praying and fellowshipping together and speaking into each other's heart. Very, very ordinary. And when we do, and when we're faithful in the ordinary, then we create time and space for the extraordinary Holy Spirit moments to happen in our life where we're going in one way and he moves us to another way. Back in August of 2012, not too many years ago, I was up in Alton Bay, which is a little, uh, little bay that's off of Lake Winnipesaukee. And I always went up there in August because that's where God lives and being a pastor, I needed to hear from him. And, um, and in August of 20, 2012, I was really stuck as a, as a person, as a, as a person, as a husband, as a pastor. And, and I, I, I was there before God, and I said, I said, Lord, what? What are you doing in my life? What are you doing in my life? And, and what would you want to do in my life? And, and how can I get there? It was a pivot point where the following months and, and the following years prepared me for, what it, for all that was to come, even to this day. It was a, a point in time where I stopped and I checked in with God, what do you want to do in my life? Come with me to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul's at, a, Paul's at that place in his life. His life is almost done. He's in prison, prisoner of Nero. Tradition tells us that shortly after this, he was taken outside and beheaded and absent from the body is present with the Lord. But what he models for us is four things that, that help us to do spiritual reflection. And what I want to encourage you to do is from time to time, stop. And work through these steps. 
especially if you're a, a junior in high school. I mean, I mean, like, like where you want to go to school for the next four years, if that's the, the way the Lord's leading you or vocationally or what type of career you want to engage in or, or if you want to do an apprenticeship or the next steps, are, they'll, they'll determine everything. And, you know, if you're, if you're in that place in life where you're saying, well, I just don't feel called to be single, and, and being called to single is fine. You know, Sarah Fish is downstairs talking to our kids, and she's going to Bangladesh to serve the Lord as a single woman who, who worked through these steps over the last five years, and now she's in a place where she's moving into her destiny. So it's not age-specific or generational-specific. Or you can be like a 62-year-old and saying, ah, this single stuff ain't what it cracked up to be. Lord, where's the wife? <laughs> right? And so what Paul models for us is, is he looks within. Lord, what are you doing in my life? Look at verse 6 a little bit. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. He had self-awareness of what the Lord was doing in his life and the purpose, even though it's difficult to come to grips with that, where he was at, Paul had self-awareness to know this is what my purpose is and this is what the Lord's doing and I, I can't grasp all the emotions that the Apostle Paul was working through and understanding that his life was being poured out for, for an eternal purpose. And when we come to these pivot points in our life, it's good to stop. And the Apostle Paul was forced to stop. He couldn't go out on another missionary journey. His life wasn't his own at that point. And so often is the case when we come to these pivot points is that we're, we're literally stopped in our tracks. We, we can't move on vocationally. We can't, there's no next job. There's no next, you know, exciting thing to do. We're just kind of in a, in a puddle standing there. And this was the Apostle Paul. And so he checks in. He does spiritual reflection. And he checks in with himself. And that's a hard thing to do. I mean, I, you know, um, some people are, they, they have great self-awareness, and then there's, <laughs> and then there's clueless guys like me that go, like, emotion? Where? Where, where is that? So, like, I can see you're upset. No, I ain't. No, I ain't. <laughs> but to stop and quiet your soul and say, Lord, what are you, what are you doing? Secondly, when we look at this, it's it's so helpful not only to say, what is God doing within me, but what has God already done in my life? What, what has the Lord spoken to me in the past? Because those promises never go away. What has the Lord spoken? How has the Lord moved? Where Where are those places where where you 
where you utterly failed and where you just couldn't do the you just couldn't do the task, you know? You just couldn't do it. And then there's other things that you didn't even try. You didn't even try to 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 get it done right and you flourished. Like where are those points in your past where God even in the midst of your inadequacy you you flourished? Where, what are those? For me, it was helpful to have a journal during this period of my life to write these things down, to make these notes like, where, where have I flourished? Where has the Lord used it? What are the things that I've done in my life that I've done well and God's blessing's been on? Because in life, you don't want to give all your time <laughs> to improving every time you do something. You fail. There's a great insight that if, if you do something and you flourish, maybe that's where the Lord wants to use you. Those that have accomplished much in their life have found out the few things that they've been really good at, and they've gotten better at those, and they've been able to accomplish great things. Paul uses metaphors like... and. The Apostle Paul was a sports person. And, you know, if it was today and the Apostle Paul was speaking, he'd be using some metaphor about that pagan game that's happening this afternoon. But he uses metaphors to describe what, what God, how God has used him. Take a look at it in verse 7. He says, Paul says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And so he's making an assessment of his past. He's at a pivot place in his life. And making assessments is a good thing to do. Like one of the things that I did after 2012 is I, I went back to school. And for, for, for where, I'm, where I'm at vocationally and pastors, that's the... That's kind of the route you use to, to have other people really be ruthless and speak into your life. And one of the tools that we used in my DMIN program was called the 360. And they used a 360 at, at um, uh, major industries. Uh, some of the men and, and women in the church have had a 360 done. And what they do is this, is they take your your peers, those people that are equal with you, those people you report to, those people that report to you, and they give you like, I don't know what it was, 100 questions, and you get a complete circle of how, how people see your life, what you're good at, what you're lousy at. And I got one of these, and that was like, yikes. <laughs> And some parts and other parts were like, oh, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> Doing assessments is when you're in that pivot place, like the Apostle Paul does. I've done good. I fought the fight. I've, I've, I've run the race. And what Paul does is he looks at what God has done in the past. In verse 8, the question is, what does God want to do? What are his plans? Now, the Apostle Paul's, the Apostle Paul's plans 
I hope they're not the plan God speaks to you because the Apostle Paul, the future for the Apostle Paul was, hey, buddy, you're coming home. <laughs> that, that was his immediate future. But, you know, if you take the time to ask yourself, Lord, what are you doing within me? What have you done in the past? And how do you want to use that foundation for the future? It might be a little bit more than I'm going to take you home. And for me, it was that way. For me, it was that, that no, this is what I've done. This is what I'm doing in your heart. I'm drawing you to me. This is what I've done in the past. See how I spoke to you here and here and here. And, and this is what I want to do in the future. I'm not done with you. I'm, I'm not done with using you as a pastor. And out of that time of reflection, out of that time of reflection, got me through some of the most joy-filled times in my life and some of the, the absolute most broken times. God, in his grace, was preparing for what comes next. And like I said at the beginning of our talk today, it's not age-specific. It's not generational specific. That if, if, if you're in a place where you're going to have to decide where you go to school and what you're going to do and all of that, then, then you need to look at some real stiff criteria. Like how much debt are you going to carry? And is it really worth it? I mean, the social sciences are nice, but 100K in debt, it's really hard to retire that type of debt working in human services. Maybe God would speak something different to you. Maybe he would say, trust me in it. I don't know. But if you ask, he's going to help you find the way forward. And finally, in verses 9 through 22, Paul really answers this question, what are you doing around me? Who, who are my friends? Who are my colleagues? What are you doing in the church? What are you doing in the world? And, and how does this all fit together? My friends, my church, what are you doing in the world? And, and Paul even goes even to very practical things. He goes, this is what I need to finish my race. I need my Bible. And he references the, the parchments that speak to the scriptures. And, he, and he's very practical. He goes, man, these winters in New England are killing me. I need my cloak, my coat. Bring my coat. Lord, what are you doing around me? Because none of us have got to the place we are today alone, and none of us will get to the place God's bringing us without the people around us, without the people that love us, without the people that minister the practical needs that, we're, that we have. And Paul, in, in the end of the chapter, just lists them off again and again and again about the people that have invested in his life, the people that he has invested in. And, and there's no rose-colored glasses here. He, he talks about Alexander the coppersmith and says, avoid that dude like the plague. Because he's bad news. Right? And so he makes a good assessment. 
of his life. And what I want to encourage you to do is to do the same thing. That when you get to those pivot places in your life, stop. Stop working. Stop talking. Go to those spiritual disciplines of reading your Bible and prayer and fellowship. Ordinary things. Totally ordinary. And yet, when we're doing those ordinary things, what happens is we make space and time for the Holy Spirit to come into our situation. Or the providence, the good providences of God to send the right person into our life to speak the right word at the right time. If you do that, regardless of age, regardless of generation, what God will do is he'll bring you to where you need to go. He'll give you the things that you need to do to fulfill your journey and your calling at your time and in your day. Amen? We're going to close with the Lord's table this morning, and it's a great uh, illustration of doing spiritual reflection. Paul says to the Corinthians, he says, before you take the Lord's table, I want you to do something. And what does he say to the folks at Corinth? I want, I want you to examine yourself, right? And, and if we could parallel this with the notes, what Paul is saying, I want you to look within. I, I want you to take a look at within yourself and ask yourself, what's God doing in my heart? And then, he, then the Apostle Paul says, I, he says, I, I want you to examine yourself, and as often as you get together, I, I want you to do this. And that's looking around. It's looking around to each other and our, uh, the brothers and sisters that we have in Christ here. And then he says, as oft, examine yourself as often as you get together. Do this in what? Remembrance. We're going to look back. Going to look at what Jesus has done, where he's brought us. Often as you get together, until what? Until he comes again, looking forward. And so even when we look at the Lord's table this morning and use it as the, say, a point of application for our teaching, is that when we go to, go to celebrate the Lord's table, first thing we want to look within and say, Lord, what are you doing? You know, and if there's something that's not right, you say, Lord, come, forgive me. And if, there, if there's something that's right, we say, oh, man, God, you're so good. And we look at what Jesus has done for us. Man, forgiven our sins, set us free, given us the Holy Spirit. And, and we're going to do this together until he comes again. Together, as a community of people that most of the time like each other. And then there's other times we give each other grace, don't we? And so take a minute and look within. Remember what Christ has done. And let's look forward to the great things that God would want to do in our church until he comes again. Maranatha. Amen? Let's prepare our hearts.